Monday. The supersized TV threw kaleidoscopic light around the unlit cavern of a room. Eerie figures leapt across the walls like the shadows of Japanese bunraku puppets. The high ceilings and wooden floor made a perfect echo chamber for the rhythmic thunder exploding from the two stacks of Marshall speakers balanced precariously to either side of the aging back projection screen. And now, it's the band you've been waiting for. Here, with their latest smash, it's Klein with Don't Go There. It was a decades-old rerun of Top of the Pops. The bespectacled figure of Mike Reed, everyone's favourite DJ at the time, stood centre screen in Studio 2 of BBC Television Centre in White City. He'd perched on that flimsy metal bridge, flickering with multicoloured lights as it hung over what was possibly the most famous stage in Britain. The raised platform on which hundreds of major league pop and rock stars from the UK and beyond had performed alongside equal numbers of wannabes whose dreams and ambitions would ultimately never survive the dog-eat-dog cruelty of the music business, 80s payola, and the hunting packs of managers and agents always so keen to pull you apart and fit you back together, Frankenstein-like, in their own frustrated pop star image. Guitar chords boomed and a sequencer kicked in, creating that perfect synth sound of the 80s, a classy combo of Trevor Horn's ABC and the jangly guitar cool of Lenny Kravitz. The mesmerising figure of Johnny Klein sauntered to the mic, the cameras closing in, manoeuvring sensually around him. As he struck pure magic from his Gibson gold top, the sea of girls moving to the front rhythmically like a shockwave from a tsunami. He was an instantly eye-catching figure, clad in a pristine white Catherine Hamnet parachute shirt, a bullet belt from Camden Market slung low on his narrow waist and a pair of shiny leather jeans, which fell perfectly onto his black studded seditionary's boots, an ensemble that harked straight back to teenage days spent hanging out on the King's Road, outside Malcolm and Vivian's uber-famous punk landmark shop, Sex, with its giant backwards-spinning clock. All of that energy and rebellion was written deep into his trim, well-muscled form and pale, insolent features, not to mention those piercing blue eyes under that sharp, jet-black fringe. His looks were angelic, someone in the music press had written, but not quite, because there's something devilish there too. The teenage girls of the nation would be swooning already, even though Johnny hadn't sung a word yet. With a flamboyant flourish, he launched himself into a song familiar throughout the land, it wasn't just a hit with every radio station. You couldn't stand in a queue without hearing the person next to you humming it, couldn't walk through a supermarket or stand in a lift, or even wander the streets of your town without Johnny's voice caressing you from some open car window. A voice that wasn't great, by his own admission, but which was easily good enough for rock and roll. Christ, the man in front of the giant-sized screen grunted to himself. He was slumped in a bulging black leather lazy boy, his bleary eyes locked on these visions of the distant past, as he took another long, tired drag on his Marlboro. It had never just been about his voice. The Johnny Klein of the 80s was the complete package. His look, his sound, his musical ability, his natural charisma, 
his knack for seizing the moment, all combining in a made-to-measure pop style. Even then it was a rare alignment, so it was little wonder that his wolfish smile adorned teenagers' bedroom walls from London to Aberdeen, that he regularly featured on the front of smash hits, record mirror, and even the face. <laughs>